In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. And as every good story begins, once upon a time, a long time ago, in a faraway land, named, there lived a young man named Victor. Victor, the son of Romanos. And uh, interesting tidbit, you'll notice that uh, all of our icons have titles because we like to think of icons in the Orthodox Church as the Word of God in color. We like to think of icons as stories um, and um, a storybook, a colorful storybook, a story written with colors. And so every good story needs a title. And so St. George is named St. George the Prince of Martyrs. Um, St. Mary is named the Theotokos, the Bearer of God. Uh, St. Mark is the Beholder of God. Archangel Michael is the Intercessor of the Human Race. They all have like a superpower, you know, and they get a title. Well, St. Victor's title is St. Victor, Son of Romanos. That does sound kind of lame. Like, let's be honest, you know what I mean? Like, you have like, you know, Saint Amir the Mighty, and then Saint John, son of Bob. My dad's nickname is actually Bob, right? Like, wouldn't he have wanted to be like Saint Victor the Mighty, Saint Victor the Courageous, Saint Victor the, you know, the Fearless? He's Victor, and he's, all he gets is his dad's name. It's kind of like his last name. Well, I wonder why that might be. Why don't we just dive into his story? A long, long time ago, in the end of the third century, 285 to be precise, there was um, a governor um, in Diocletian's empire. Before Diocletian, the Roman emperor, became an infidel, before he recanted Christ, while he was still Christian, he was actually Christian, and he recanted Christ for political reasons, um, and he had, a, he had uh, an advisor, a governor, whose name was Romanos. And Romanos and his wife Martha were Christian. Romanos was like neither here nor there about it, you know. It was a politically good thing to be a Christian, I suppose. The emperor was Christian and seemed like the right thing to do. Um, but that was about it. Um, he was after fame, fortune, glory being the right-hand man to the emperor. That's what he was after. His wife, on the other hand, was very pious. And they were childless. And so she would go to church every day and pray and pray and pray and pray. And one day, praying in front of the icon of St. Mary, she heard a voice from the icon, the voice of St. Mary, appear, appearing to her in a vision and assuring her that she will have a son. And this didn't happen once, but it happened twice. And so she believed. And she continued to fast and to pray and to give to the poor. Most of us, when we get an answer to our prayers, we're satisfied with that. But she continues to fast and pray and, and to, uh, to be charitable to the poor uh, and the needy um, until her son is born on February 19th. Um, and they name him Victor. And they have a huge celebration for him because 
in their in their older years, um, they have this this son, um, and they have a huge celebration for him. And then the emperor hears that his like third in command, who was childless all this time, has been graced with a son, and so he throws a banquet for him as well. And the wife of the emperor gets so jealous that they're doing this whole thing for this, for the, the you know, the, 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 this governor, this, this, this advisor's son. Um, and so she rips the child Victor from his mother's arms and throws him on the ground and, and he's lifeless on the ground. And his mother screams to Christ and St. Mary and picks him up and he's alive again. We don't really know whether he died or not, but he, he seemed lifeless at the time. And she raises him um, with really deep Christian values. And from a very young age, he loves the church. He loves being in church. He loves prayer. He loves asceticism. He loves fasting. He makes a little, a little corner of his room and he closes it off as a, as a quiet place for himself to pray. Um, and to stay closely connected to God. And, um, and uh, uh, from the age of 15 onwards, he refuses to sleep on a bed. He only eats uncooked food, stops eating meat or drinking wine out of a deep asceticism and worship for God. Uh, he joins the military and becomes a very high-ranking officer very quickly, maybe because of his father, maybe because of his own skill, but nonetheless, and everybody loves him. And he does good to the poor and to the slaves and to the needy. Um, every day before he goes out to his job in the, as, as part of being in, in military, he, uh, he stands at the gates of, his, uh, of, of, of their palace where he lives, and the poor come, and whatever they have need of, he gives them. Um, and later on, after Diocletian recanted Christ and, and became uh, an idol worshiper, uh, he um, and started persecuting Christians, St. Victor would go to the prisons and, and uh, tend to the wounds of, of those who were uh, being persecuted, um, and he would bury, bury the, 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 the martyrs and take care of their families because a lot of them were the breadwinner in their family would, had died and so they were dispossessed of, of, of any form of wealth. So he would, he would take care of them. Well, he did this for some time until word got to the, to the emperor and the emperor pulled in his advisor, Romanos, and he says, what's your son doing? This is madness. This is like totally discrediting us, you know? He can't be doing this and so Romanos calls his son and he says you're making a fool of me you've got to stop doing this you know and so on and and Victor confronts him and Victor confronts him and, and tells him you are the one who is who is behaving as a fool because you're like the rich fool in 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 the parable of Jesus who who becomes convinced that what shall a man give for his soul you know if you lose your soul you lose everything but you, you, you you're you're willing to lose your soul for the sake of wealth of riches of, of prestige of good standing uh, with the emperor um, and um, and 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 that sets his 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 father goes nuts and from that moment forward his father becomes the number one person who is persecuting him um, uh, 
of note, something kind of an, an important detail is uh, uh, Victor befriends uh, a cousin of his, Ecladius, and Victor and Ecladius become really good friends, and they're both really, really uh, um, pious, really, really serious about their worship of God and both of them really you know spur each other on and they become like inseparable friends um, um, in their um, in their in their worship of God right um, where am I in my in my story here so this is a story not for the faint of heart um, this is uh, like a you know, parental advisory, like uh, 18 years and up kind of story, but we'll we'll try to keep it um, PG for uh, for a little while longer. Um, so yeah, so so his father confronts him, um, and and then Victor answers him, uh, and he he says to him. Don't you remember Christ's words, whoever denies me before people, I will deny before my father? Also the Lord's words to Moses, tell the Israelites, do not be like the nations who worship creatures and not the creator. Do not look at the sky so that you would do not worship the sun or the moon or the stars or the birds of the sky and look not to the earth to worship it so that I do not destroy you on that day. So Romanos just it goes ballistic and he he, he slaps him in the face and he starts beating him publicly um, just in, in, in the court. And then he starts talking to him gently and trying to, trying to woo him back into idol worship. Um, and he appeals to his feelings and he tells him, what about your mother? What about what? I mean, if you go on like this, you know, you're, you're going to you're just going to get end up getting persecuted like the like the martyrs. Uh, and and what, how will your mother feel? And 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 all of this and trying to kind of pull on his heartstrings. And when, finally, when that doesn't work, his father says to him, but, but like even you even like you know the Bible says honor your father and mother for uh, like uh, you will have long life on the earth and King Solomon says obey your father and listen to his discipline and then he promised to give him an an, an enormous amount of money if he uh, um, if he would if he would wor worship the idols but Victor says he says no he says. You know, obeying your parents is is a sa is is sacred if your parents are in the Lord, and but he says to him. But Jesus also says, whoever loves his father or mother more than me doesn't deserve me, and my obedience to you is thus subject to your faith in God. Um, there were two other ministers that were very close friends of Romanos, Wasilidas and Ohios, and what Wasilidas goes and tries to convince him. He's almost like a family friend, almost like an uncle. And he tries to convince Victor and tell him, you know, this is like your undoing. Like, why would you do this? And, and, and you know, offer incense to the idols and then go do whatever you want. Like, nobody's going to even care. They just need one, you know, public image of you worshipping the idols and then, and then go on and carry on with your, your life as, as you want. And Victor answers him. He becomes very sad and he cries out saying, Oh God, your eyes can see and your ears can hear. Life is so dear to others as it is to me without envy. Oh my God, you know what they are doing to me. They even told me to take 
gold and to deny Jesus in front of you all? Do you think that I'm another Judas to sell my master for money? This is the inheritance of those from the outer darkness forever. I swear by all the saints that even if you give me all of the kingdom of the emperor or the whole world and all of its riches and gods, I will not raise incense to these gods because it is written, what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And as a result of that, Wasilidis is converted. He was Christian, but I mean he was converted, he was convicted in his heart. He realized this is madness. I'm willing to give up my eternity for for just these temporary moments of 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 of, of pleasure and and uh, and um, Romanos's father be becomes furious that 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 Victor actually managed to convince Romanos's best friend and so Ro Romanos's father takes a knife and cuts his, son, his, tons, his son's tongue off, um, or at least a part of it. And he has him beaten and lashed until he's bruised and bleeding. And then he throws him into a dark cellar with no light, and he just leaves him there. And they forget him there. They forget him there literally for a couple of weeks. When they finally go and, and uh, you know, Wasilidis and Ohias, they kind of, they 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 go and ask the emperor to that you know to 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 release him like behind romanos's back his father behind his father's back and the emperor says like i don't care like do whatever you want he's probably dead by now anyways so they go and they they get him out and they bring him home and he's unrecognizable so he's so emaciated and he's so he's so thin and he's so beaten and bruised and bloody and uh, just become a bundle of bones right and when the emperor hears that he's alive, he gives him a few days and then he calls him back into his, into his courtroom. And he calls him back, Diocletian calls him back into his courtroom where his father is. And Victor looks at the emperor and he throws off his, his, his golden sash, which was, he was a general. He was like third in the command of the, of the Roman emperor's ar like armies. And he, he, he throws that all down at the emperor's feet and he says, I, I no longer am part of your, of your army. I'm only a part of the army of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his father is, is furious, you know, this public humiliation time and time and time again. And he orders his slaves to tie him up and tie his hands behind him. And they, they beat him and they whip him until he's... And, and until he, he, he can't stand anymore. And then he tells him to take him out of the city and to beat him with spears until he's dead. And on his way out of the city, Satan appears to him as a commander in the army. And he tells him, look, like I was, I was a man under you and you were always good to me. And of course, none of this is true. Like, but, but I mean, he's bruised and bleeding and he can't, he can't even see in front of him. So, you know, you know, Satan is his appearance is very deceptive, and he tells him, he tells him like, you were always good to me, and in in a gesture of goodness back to you, I'm telling you like, like we all love you, and we would love to be under you again, and just, just like, just re recant Christ just for a minute, like, and and it it doesn't matter, like, just say anything. Nobody's listening. Nobody really cares, right? And he recognizes right away that this could be nothing other than the enemy of good. And so he says, he's, he answers him and he says, My goal and my purpose is for the kingdom of my Lord Jesus Christ. 
and at the, the mention of the name of Jesus, Satan vanishes in a puff of smoke. And as they're about to kill him, one of the other commanders goes and tells the emperor, look, I know, I know Romanos is just furious with him, but everybody loves this guy. I mean, everybody, everybody in Antioch, Antioch at that time was, was where the emperor resided for most of the time. Um, and, you know, if you kill this guy, like there's going to be an uproar in the city uh, because he's just so loved, especially by the poor and the lower classes. And and you're really doing yourself, a, 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 you're really going to create a problem for yourself. So the emperor says, I got a better idea. We'll shave his head. They, he commands for him to be, to be shaved and they tie him up and they tie his feet to a horse's tail and they parade him through Antioch. Uh, the soldiers ridiculing him and making fun of him until they get to the port and they put him on a boat to go to Alexandria. And the governor of Alexandria at that time, Armanius, was known to be one of the most vicious torturers of Christians at the time. So they figure we'll send him to Alexandria and then they can kill him there and, and there won't be as much of an uprising because nobody knows him there and nobody will, um, nobody will really care. So who gets wind of this? His mom. And so she, she is chasing after this horse that's parading him through the city, weeping for him. And so Victor turns around to her and he tells her, don't weep for me. Weep for your husband. Weep for your husband who decided to sell Christ for nothing, for temporary glory, for nothing. Weep for him if you're going to weep. Don't weep for me. And he takes his ring off and he tells her, Mother, I'm going to die. But here's my ring. And my one request is that after I die, you bring my body back to Antioch here to be, um, to be buried here um, in, uh, like near our family home. And, um, and there's various other details of the story that are, that are, um, that are quite interesting, but I'll, 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 uh, I'll kind of carry on. He, he makes it to Alexandria and there the emperor, same, the, sorry, the, the governor, Armanius, does the same thing. He tries, you know, gently and tries to coax him and tell him, look, you know, I can speak with your father. I can speak with the emperor. I can put in a good word for you. You can stay here and be a commander here for a bit and then go back and, you know, all of the dishonor that you caused your family will be forgotten and this and that. And, um, and he, he says, absolutely not. And so they, they, they put an iron bed over a blazing pit of fire and like basically they, they barbecue him, literally. Um, and it doesn't kill him. And then they dissolve sulfur and tar and pour it down his throat. And he prays before they do that. And he's untouched by the sulfur and the tar. And then um, they beep, beat him and they whip him beyond recognition. Um, and throw him in prison to rot there for some time. And while he's in prison, uh, one of the prison guards, the prison guards typically live near the prison, and so the daughter of one of the prison guards was like looking out the window and, and watching a bunch of drunks make a fool of themselves, and, um, and, and she's like peering out of the window, and she falls from, from a height and falls dead. And, uh, and Victor sees her mother run out, and, and, and grab her and mourn over her because she sort of, sort of fell several stories and died. And uh, 
He prays for her from the prison and the mother hears his prayer and the Lord Jesus Christ brings her back to life and her and all of her household and all the prison guards convert and they all and they all get they all get um, they all get martyred. The girl, however, um, gets married later on and has a son um, and that son ends up actually she names him Victor and he actually ends up becoming um, becoming a, a bishop and ends up going to the council as Ni of Nicaea um, where where they wrote the creed um, interestingly enough um, and um, various other tortures they they squeeze him with the squeezing wheel um, they they um, heat like a furnace of fire um, and they do this in a public in a public uh, uh, area uh, in the palace of the king, um, it was sort of the furnace that boiled, that provided the hot water for the for the entire palace. So they and they they heat that furnace, you know, seven times hotter than it's usually heated, and they throw him in it. And Archangel Michael appears to him in the fire, and tells him, "Don't worry, I'll be with you, and um, I'll take care of you." And all of a sudden, while he's in the furnace, he sees heaven opened like Saint Stephen, and he sees Abel the righteous, and Abel, the the brother of Cain, says to him, "Blessed are you, my brother, because you are like me. My brother killed me and deprived my mother of ever seeing me alive again, and your father has done the same to you." And this is a theme that you're going to see come up again and again in the life of and the tortures of Saint Victor, that. The, 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 the saints and eventually the Lord Jesus Christ appear to him and tell him, you're like me. Like all of us are trying to be like God. But, but you see the, here like the deep humility of God, that God comes to him with a word of humility and a word of encouragement and tells him, you know what, you're like, you're like me. And uh, uh, Zechariah the prophet appears to him and Archangel Michael the prophet appears to him. And then Archangel Michael removes the ceiling of the furnace, which was the, f which was the floor of the, of the wash area or the bath of, of the governor. And the governor, like, you know, you know, ridicules Victor. And then he realizes, like, they threw him in the fire. Like, that's it. He's, he's been burned alive. So he goes then to wash up from all of this. And who does he find like just floating up out of the floor of the royal, you know, of the palace bath, Victor. And, um, and as, Ar as Armanius is ridiculing him in his, in, in his head, Victor answers him and he says to him, You atheist, how can you mock my Lord? Do you think that he is like your lifeless stone idol Apollo, which, which you ordered me to worship? You could see how my God has power and ability to save me from your tortures. And Armanius is furious. He's absolutely furious. And he calls his executioners and he just, he just, he can't stand the ridicule. And he says, that's it, behead him, behead him. And one of his commanders, Armanius's commanders of the army tells him, no, you know what, if you, if you behead him, you know, he's the son of Romanos, like don't forget. He is the son of Romanos. And if, if I know Romanos was like really fur infuriated by all the public humiliation and such, but if he changes his mind, he'll have you like you'll be toast, right? He'll he will kill you. Um, and and so so he doesn't know what to do with him because now he, 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 he's all shaken up. And then the wife of Armanius reminds him that Armanius was actually a stable boy in 
in Antioch, in the palace in Antioch. And he was fed up of being a stable boy and he really wanted to be like, have like a political position. And he kept going to Romanos and Romanos kept telling, kept shooing Armanius off, telling him like, you're a stable boy. Like, you're not going to be a politician. Forget it. Right? And he kept begging Romanos and Victor saw him once and told him like, what do you want and this and that. And Victor interceded for Armanius for months and, and hosted him in his own house for months and fed him a peasant stable boy until Romanos finally conceded and told the emperor to, to you know, make him, you know, like a ruler. And from being, becoming a ruler, he became a governor and then the governor of Alexandria. So Armanius' wife reminds him, this is the victor who put you up in his house and this is what you're doing to him. So with all of that, Armanius just didn't know what to do. He was at an impasse. He just didn't know what, what to do with this, with this victor. And so one of his commanders says, look, there is, there is only one governor in the entire Roman Empire who's more vicious than you, and he's the governor in Upper Egypt. Um, and so send him, send him to Iftikanius. Iftikanius is absolutely vicious. There's no way... And, and their word will never get back to Romanos. Like, don't worry, it's, it's a done deal, you know? And so he says, that's a great idea. Put him on a ship and they send him down. And a whole bunch of other um, miracles happen on that, uh, on that, on that um, trip down. But for the sake of time and such, I'll, 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 I'll save you some of, the, uh, some of the details and I'll just go to some more blood and gore. So he makes it down to... Uh, he makes it down to Upper Egypt. And in Upper Egypt, um, Iftikanius does the same thing. He says, look, Victor, you are royalty. Like, come on now, you're unrecognizable. You've become so thin. You've spent, you've spent so much time in prison. By the end of his tortures, he eventually does get beheaded. By the end of his tortures, he's been five years being tortured. Five whole years being tortured. And uh, well, I'll save the punchline to the end. Um, you, uh, I want you to guess this whole time while I'm talking. If you're imagining this story, how old do you envision him to be? Like, what age would you would you stick on this guy? Um, anyhow, he tells him, "Look, let's do each other a favor. I don't want to do this. You are royalty. You're nobility. You don't deserve this. Look, just." Just sign on the dotted line. Let's just get this done. Let's clean you up, feed you a few good meals, nurse you back to health and send you home. And Victor says, forget it, right? And if Tecanius just says, he, he just goes crazy. And so he, he has him tied up and they cut off his tongues. They cut off his lips. They cut off his testicles. They boil him alive in oil. They heat iron rods and nails and pierce them through his ears. They pluck out his toenails. They skin his scalp and pour salt and lime all over it. They pour asphalt, boiling asphalt down his throat. Um, and, and all of this in an effort to get him to recant. And of course he doesn't, right? So the, 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 the governor gets fed up of this, and so he hands him over to one of his, one of his commanders, Soteriakos. Um, and Soteriakos 
tortures him some more, presses him on the wheel a bunch of times, um, and nothing they do can get him to change his mind. So finally, they both get fed up. And they're about to chop his head off, and guess what happens? Somebody else comes and says, this is the son of Romanos. Don't you know what's going to happen? Romanos has had enough time for you know his only son to, to, to maybe regret all of this, or maybe whatever. And then if you do this, he's going to come after you, and blah, blah, blah. And then they, they're at the same impasse that Armanius was at. And the story just repeats itself. They don't know what to do with him. So Soteriakos tells him, look, there is a deserted palace in the desert, which is inhabited by monsters and demons, and no one has ever gone in there and come out alive. Toss him in there and we'll be done. And then we'll just say he disappeared. We'll just say he escaped or he ran away or whatever. We'll be able to say something and something and he's gone, right? And so they they send it, they ship him off to this desert palace and he goes to this desert palace um, and the Lord Jesus Christ just watches over him while he's there in his first couple of nights there um, he sees a man resting in in the shade of the palace walls outside this this you know demonized place um, and he says to the man, he says to him, what are you doing? And he says to him, well, I'm traveling sort of between this town and that town. And, um, and like, I, I stop here for some shade in the heat of the day. Um, so he says, oh, so you do this trip often? He says, yes. He says, well, can you get me some carpentry tools and some wood? And I'll, I'll make some stuff. Um, and, you can, and then you can sell it in, in the market. Um, and bring me, you know, buy me some food and whatever money is left you can have. And the guy says, sure, you know, and da da da, yeah, okay, I'll do it, sure, no problem. Um, and off uh, and off he goes. And so the man visits him every week and brings him and brings him uh, some wood and and so on. And and that's how he lives. Um, and. Uh, and the demons, of course, try to scare him away from that place because it was their home. They appear to him as vicious, wild animals, and, and he's terrified. Uh, and at one point, he, you know, they appeared to him as a lion, and so he ran in the opposite direction, and he ran up, up like a, a tower of, the, of that palace, and he gets to the top of the tower, and a he finds a dragon at the top of the tower, and he says to him, wait a minute. He says to himself, this doesn't make any sense. And he prays, and the demons vanish. Another time, Satan appears to him as a man. And I, in my notes, I, I, I said I should read this to you. Another time, Satan appears to him as a man sent to him by his father Romanos. And he says, your father forgives you and wants you to go back and he will make you a commander. The saint closely gazed at him and said, keep away from me, Satan, with all your tricks. Then he looked towards the east. Have mercy on me, my Lord Jesus Christ, and save me from all my troubles. Satan heard the name of Jesus, he vanished. And, you know, why are we sharing these stories? Because they're good stories to tell around a fire, maybe, because they're kind of scary and you need a bit of a scary story to tell if you're telling a story around a fire in the dark, maybe. Or maybe there's also something we can learn. Maybe we can learn a little bit from his resilience and we can ask ourselves, where does he, where did he get this? Where did he get this, this, like, this resilience, this inability to, to, to give up? Um, 
um, and to toss in the towel. Um, and at that point, this is like one of the most beautiful parts of the story, um, an old man comes knocking on the door of that palace. And so Victor had, had been, he, he, had, he had so many uh, trials with demons and all of, their, all of their tricks that he lets him into the palace and he says, before we even talk, I, I want us to pray. So he sa stands to pray and as he stands to pray, the little old man starts to shine brighter and brighter and brighter until he's engulfed in light. And Victor looks at him and he says to him, who are you? And he says to him, Victor, you don't know me? And he says to him, who are you? And he says to him, I am the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says something really beautiful. And unfortunately, it's not in the book, but it's in, it's in, it's in his story um, written somewhere else. I couldn't find the reference. He says to him, Victor, I am just like you. He doesn't tell him you're just like me. He says to him, I am just like you. You were betrayed by those closest to you, your father. I was betrayed by my closest friends. You were tortured for the sake of the truth. I was tortured for the sake of the truth. You were a, car you were a carpenter now. I was a carpenter. You were rich and were nobility and were a king, but you descended to the lowest place. And I also descended to the lowest place. And he tells him five different ways that you are I, I am just like you. And then he tells them all kinds of prophecies, which I'll uh, which I'll spare you. But um, but basically, in short, he 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 tells him about the Islamic conquest. He tells him about the dark ages of the church after the Islamic conquest. He, t he tells him about all of the persecutions that will happen in Egypt, almost almost by date, you know. And, and Victor tells his friends this and, again, and it's all written down and we have written evidence of all of these, uh, of, of all of these prophecies. And then he tells him that you will, one year from now, you will be beheaded and you will join me in my kingdom. Um, and they'll, they'll build a fabulous churches in your name. And he, and he gives them beautiful promises. I couldn't help but, um, but tell myself I should really read these to him. So then the man who is the Lord Jesus Christ um, says to him, Many kings and commanders will hear about you. They will come to your church with their offerings for the sake of my name. Many miracles and wonders will appear from your body. This palace in which you are now will be so crowded with people who will come to visit you. Any one of them who is sick or in distress and asks me in your name, I will heal him from all his ailments. Any childless woman who asks with faith in your name, I will answer her wishes. And St. Victor immediately kneels on the ground before the Lord Jesus Christ and answers him and says, uh, and the Lord Jesus Christ answers him and says, at the same time next year you will be beheaded with the sword after being tortured for a while. And I will take you to the church of the martyrs in heaven. And the Lord Jesus Christ is surrounded by angels and vanishes. And St. Victor is overjoyed. He's, he's exploding um, with joy. His mom, in the meantime, all of this time, um, sends, sends one of his old friends and a, a soldier under him named Harion to go and look for him. And, and um, he finds him, and because he finds him, the governor of Upper Egypt finds him as well. 
and I'm going to spare you more of his tortures. They try to poison him twice and it doesn't work. They try to throw him in the fire. Um, they heat the fire for two days. They keep heating it and heating it and heating it and they throw him in it and he comes out unscathed. They try again for three days and then for a week and he comes out unscathed each time and they squeeze him again on the wheel and they do all of these different things to try to to try to get him to recant. At one point they heat iron rods in the fire and they and they and they pierce them through his eyes and through his ears and he says he, he and he becomes blind obviously and he says he says I have lost the eyes which could see this vain world but God has opened my eyes to see the kingdom of heaven which which will never pass away um, and then after that the governor is so fed up with him he just decides to behead him and so on his way to behead him Get this, St. Victor starts preaching to the soldier who's supposed to behead him and tells him, he tells him, you will see angels and saints coming to receive me. And when you do that, you will, when you do that, know that this is the truth and, and obey the truth and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the, the, his, his friend Harion is following and weeping behind him and he, uh, the, the soldier is so infuriated that before he even gets to the chopping block, he takes his sword out and he, and he tries to chop off his head. Unfortunately, he misses um, and he, 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 cut like, he, he cut half of his neck uh, and he was hanging, hanging by a thread. And then and at that moment, that soldier sees heaven open and he sees the angels and saints coming to receive the soul of St. Victor. And he falls on his knees and he accepts Christ and he says, I am a Christian, I am a Christian. And so St. Victor had prepared Harion for this and he had prophesied that this would happen. And he prophesied and he told Harion, you will have to behead me. And Harion told him, never, I would never do it. But in this moment where St. Victor's head was literally hanging by a thread resting on his chest and he was still conscious, um, uh, Victor uh, tells Harion, he tells him, please put me out, out, out of my misery and complete my martyrdom. And Harion says, I can't, I can't do this. And he says, for the sake of Christ, for the sake of Christ and for my sake, just do it, you know, just do it. And so he covers his head with a handkerchief and he, and he, he, he completes his beheading and he takes his body and Victor knew because the Lord Jesus Christ had, had, had told him, he knew that of his death. Um, and he had prepared a coffin. He had built a coffin for himself in the desert palace. And Harion takes his body back to the desert palace and, and puts it in the coffin um, and um, stays there a bit and then goes back and he tells his, his mother. His mother, of course, is horrified and faints several times at hearing the story um, and so on. And eventually her and Harion go back and recover the body. Um, and they build that desert palace into a glorious, a magnificent church. Um, by that time, Constantine beca had become the emperor of the empire, and the emp and the and, and 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 he was Christian, and he allows them to go and build this church. And after years of them building this church, um, Harion reminds um, Martha, the mother of Victor, about his about his uh, his wish to be. To be buried in Antioch, and so he uh, they they through a variety of different things because of course no one would have left let let them take his body, but they managed to kind of sneak his body onto a ship, 
and, 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 and take it back up to Antioch and build a massive church for him there, which is still, which is still there to this day. Um, and many miracles happen from his body there. And uh, there's many, many, many more miracles that I'll, I'll spare you the, the stories and the details, but um, we have plenty of them, plenty of copies of this book, which is from his monastery in Egypt, um, with more details of his life and more details of the miracles of his life. Um, but uh, back to our initial question, you know, why the title Victor, son of Romanos? Why not Victor the courageous? Why not Victor the resilient? Why not Victor the unconquerable? Why not Victor the, Victor the undissuadable or the undiscourageable? Or why Victor, son of Romanos? Because probably the most painful of his tortures was that he was tortured by his very own father. And I know people who have come to faith from other beliefs, from other religions, who were tortured literally in the 21st century, the 20th and the 21st century, were tortured by their own fathers. And they can find, and you can find, um, comfort in St. Victor, the son of Romanos, the son of his torture, who endured all of these tortures for the sake of Christ, even if they came at the hands of his very own father. Um, and so that is the story of Victor, son of Romanos. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.